This episode is brought to you by Pillar Performance. If you take your training seriously but have a busy life, sleep can be one of the main things that makes your life and training great or terrible. Taking Pillar's Triple Magnesium 30 to 60 minutes before bed every night means that your sleep quality will improve, recovery will improve, and you can wake up the next day ready to train, work, be a good partner, friend, or parent. Stop letting your poor sleep make you tired and grumpy. Head to Pillar Performance's website, get yourself some Triple Magnesium, and use the discount code HTT20 for 20% off your order. Radio team, week five, and once again, got another awesome special guest. Um, yeah, I've looked up to this uh, this human for quite some time. Um, I kind of actually remember coming into the sport, and uh, we were very similar in ways how we raced, where we would kind of come out in the back of the swim a little bit, and then we would ride our ass off, and then um, finish it off with a uh, demolishing run. This man is a duathlon world champ back in his uh, junior days in 2007 and 2008, but also the under-23 African Championships in the same year, duathlon and triathlon in 2010. And then he pretty much like firmly established himself in 2012, getting his first few World Series wins, uh, the big one in Hamburg. So if no no one knows World Series Hamburg, it's kind of like the one sprint race to win. And um, yeah, he he shot off that race um, like it was nothing. And that year, he also, in 2012, went to two podiums, um, lining himself up and establishing him as one of the best in the business. Uh, in 2016, um, he loves to come to New Zealand. Um, it was kind of, at, at some point, it was nearly his, his kind of his second home and um, was finished uh, multiple times winner at the New Plymouth World Cup, but also doing quite well in the World Series that year and doing well in the Rio Olympics. Uh, um, he was a South African man, but now he's a Netherlands man. Um, Hunter DeVette, my partner, keeps on saying we can't be friends anymore as he's a Dutchie. I'd like to introduce you guys to Mr. Richard Murray. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Wow, that was that was that was quite a professional intro there. I'm very, very impressed in that, uh, mate. Thank you very much. I was pretty I was pretty stoked with that. <laughs> we can end it there. It's so end on a high. Um, no, but uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, no. I think uh, yeah, it's great to be on the show with you. I think we actually did kind of one uh, type of podcast or video on YouTube with you once, I think in, in London um, after the Super yeah. League. Um, yeah. So this is pretty, pretty interesting going like vice versa. Um, and yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it's very, no, very cool. I'm loving what you're doing and uh, I'm loving the, the direction that it's going as well. So yeah, very stoked to be in. Uh, yeah. Have a bit of a chat with you guys. Yeah. And hey, Michelle, are you? Yeah, I'm buddy. Good mate. And I'll, uh, I'll start things off Hayden by addressing the elephant in the room. We've got rid of the uh, the yeah. dead weight, the Australian. We got rid of him for uh, yeah. this week. Oh, man. Tell you what. Tell you what. I think it's actually finally actually going to be a good podcast now <laughs> since we've got rid of that bunch of crap. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to run smoothly. There's going to be no long course chat. We're going to be strictly oh, short man. course. You know, he's going to blow us up in the group chat later. But uh, I think it worked really well, actually, Hamish, because I know that I think Richard can agree with me. Uh, Richard, you're not really a fan of long course either, so it's great to get that fella off. Uh, the podcast and just talk purely short course. 
No, I agree. I agree with you 100%. There. I see the, the direction <laughs> the, the, the direction it goes, it gets slower and slower. And I think with the short course, it gets faster and faster. So I think, uh, ah, definitely, all, I'm all in for that. <laughs> yeah, dude. And how are you, man? I know you're in altitude. Um, how's, well, I guess I'm in Andorra and you're at, uh, on the other side of the hill. How's, uh, how's life treating you up with uh, the thin air? Good. No, really good. Yeah, it's been nice. I'm staying uh, here in the Essex house. So uh, we're the weird ones training three times a day. And uh, we have like all the runners around us. And we're trying to figure out, everyone's trying to figure out how they do things and how we do things. And they're having like massive meals for lunch, like these huge pasta dishes for lunch, which looks like a French Grand Prix pre-race type of meal. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's very, very different. They're doing, they're doing big runs like, and then an easy run is like 350 or 340 where I'm just like, man, that's like my direction tempo. So everything's very different, but um, no, it's very cool. And I think staying together with, with other people is always a, always a good, uh, good eye opener, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cause I was, I was, cause I did see your Instagram on your story a couple of times and I was like, I don't know any of these people that are triathletes. <laughs> I've never seen them. Like, are they like young Dutchy triathletes? But then I kind of realized I saw a couple Essex kind of logos in the back and I was like, oh, he must be up there with the, the Essex team. It's pretty cool. They've got like a, a whole set up there for you guys. Um, I don't, is that, is that quite new? Cause obviously you're just part of the Essex team. So yeah, they, they literally built it for, for going up towards Paris. So they got it this year for next year, uh, place for, I think like 18, 20 odd people, um, pretty much a house that they've renovated with like balconies and stuff outside. They've got physios once a week. Uh, well, actually comes three times a week at physio. Uh, they've sorted the phys- facilities and all that stuff out as well. Um, yeah. So everything's pretty, pretty cool. And uh, yeah, we can try and, we can try and join the runners every now and then, except for it's like, you know, marathon runners and short course athletes are a bit <laughs> different. Like there's a bit of a change. A bit oh, of a difference. Yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> I remember, um, I remember when I was uh, back in New Zealand and, I trained with a guy called Malcolm Hicks. He's like our marathoner and he's like a 207 guy. And um, yeah, just some of the workouts those marathoners do is just like ridiculous. But then like I got my mate here, Sam Tanner, who's a 1500 meter runner. And it's just like, yeah, completely different. Uh, so that's quite funny. I guess it's like training with a short course athlete and a, and a long course athlete. But yeah, anywho, um, enough with the small talk let's let's get into a bit of uh i guess a bit of your your backstory richard i guess take us back to the start i know you're an ex-terror man and you're you're a farm boy as well back in south africa so yeah let's tell us a little bit about your story and and then how you kind of got into the sport and and yeah i guess yeah finishing up with what you're up to uh these days heading into paris i guess yeah so i had a pretty pretty humble upbringing Grew up on a farm, so we we're about like 20k or 25k from the closest city. Um, there was pretty much our family and like I think two other families living on the farm with us. Uh, and so I didn't have a swimming pool anywhere close by. So the swimming was done in a lake every now and then for in the summer when it was like 40 degrees. Uh, that was about the swimming uh, I had until I was about 17. Uh, and uh, yeah, biking and running were super active outdoors. My dad uh, comes from the enduro, like motocross and enduro scene. Uh, so I grew up racing enduros and mountain biking um, when I was a kid. So I spent a lot of time on the motocross bike and the enduro bike. Uh, and yeah, just a lot of outdoors, really. Started running and uh, cycling when I was younger. Then that kind of formulates it into cross-country running, track and field, uh, going through high school. So um, yeah, I was sort of doing the track and field. Maybe I'll hit track and field direction. Uh, and then kind of got... Uh, School in a, in a heat, I think, when I was 15, um, for the 1500 meters at the national champs, the South African champs, and didn't make the final. And was like, okay, I'm done with this. 
this tracking thing. I'm, I'm not fast enough. This kid's tracking. This kid's are beating. Kids are beating me. There's like t- there's like eight kids beating me barefoot, and I'm already in spikes. And I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. <laughs> um, so yeah, I kind of like put that on the back burner, and then I did mountain biking. Um, became national champ for two years when I was uh, under 16 for mountain biking, and then I thought, oh, okay, UCI mountain biking. Here we go. Let's go for it. Uh, and then I wasn't, I was good, but not the best in that either. So I thought, okay, let's, let's try duathlon because I can run a bike. So may as well throw them together. Uh, and then, yeah, from there, went to the world duathlon champs. I think the first time overseas for me was in Australia, uh, in Newcastle. So it was like the long, the longest trip I've ever done in my life. And I think 16 or 15 odd. That was 2005, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. And that was kind of my like, you know, intro into international racing, really. Uh, I think I came top 10 or something back then. Uh, when I applied the clappers on the first run, paid for it on the second run. Um, <laughs> that was me. But uh, it was, yeah, it was pretty cool. And uh, I think from there, continued with duathlon. Someone told me to start swimming. I could become a great triathlete. And I was having none of it. So I was like, nah, not doing it. Swimming sucks. Hate it. Agree. Couldn't yeah, spend more than five minutes in the pool. Just hate it. <laughs> it's terrible. And uh, let alone like four years later, it was like, okay, well, okay, I better learn to swim if I want to make a career out of sports. So, yeah, I think that was the, I literally got told it'll take me about four years to get my swimming app to scratch so I could actually make a pack um, in the, after the swim because I was, I think, my first Olympic distance, I sat about 22 odd minutes for the 1500 when I was 20, I think. So I had like a, you know, had a lot of work to do um, yeah. and yeah, kind of got told, you know, I'll never make it. I think a lot of people told me, yeah. Don't don't even try. You'll never be good enough. You'll never make it in the swim. You'll never you'll never get there. And I was just told the guys like just just watch. Give me five years, uh, and I'll prove you wrong. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was yeah, that was kind of it. Went through like a whole bunch of different swim coaches over like five years. Uh, managed to get my swim down to about eighteen and a half, nineteen minutes, and then started to make some packs. Uh, and then yeah, that was then I think I started to train with the Aussies. So I went to uh, Wollongong. Uh, just South right. Australia. I'm in South of, South of Sydney uh, with Jamie Turner and the Australian squad. Um, he was pretty open to letting people join them. And uh, yeah, then Sydney was like kind of my, I would say, breakthrough World Series race really where uh, I managed to get on the podium. I think I came second or third um, there in Sydney. I think that was one of the coolest venues sitting like in front of the Opera House and it was very, very cool. Um, no. I think that one and I think in Auckland was also super, super cool. So I think, mm. you know, going going there was also summer. So it's like we're going there and it's still summer. It's not like going to race like in May in Europe and you're like in pouring rain. So it was nice to have some good weather at the start of the year. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how my career pretty much, you know, began and, and uh, how I got into triathlon. Just listening to that story is actually, it makes me giggle a bit just because it's exactly pretty much how I got into the sport. Like obviously I never... The reeks of a Hayden Wild story. I know, I didn't... <laughs> Did not I didn't follow you. I didn't even know you when you're doing triathlons. Like I only gone to the sport after Rio, but that whole story literally like I started running just for fitness uh, for hockey. But then like I got told to go on a mountain bike, and then I was doing alright. And then I was they're like, oh, you should go and do Xterra. I'm like, well, I can't swim. And literally the same thing. Like a 22 30 swimmer, like no chance. And then I was looking for like a, a coach to actually proper coach me. And I went to two guys. Uh, one guy and the guy that I'm with now, Craig. I went to the first guy and he was like, it's going to take you about eight years to get to where you need to be. 
uh, to be competitive. And I was like, all right, I got four years. <laughs> I'll prove you. I'll prove you wrong. <laughs> and then, uh, as you said, like uh, the breakthrough races came through for me in in 2019, which was you know, like four years later. And I know the guy personally who told me it would take me eight years to 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 be where I need to be. And uh, I always give him shit about it. <laughs> As opposed, it depends how much it depends how much you want it. It's like if you only half want it, it might take you like it might take you until you get to fifty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just depends how many k's you want to do in the pool. A eh? like, oh man, yeah. I hated it. You've just got to get the mileage. I think that that's the same. There's like yeah. a ten thousand hour rule. You need the you need the time in the pool. It's the same with like anything. If you, you come from a from a deficit type of thing. I think it's also. If it was a pool swim every triathlon, then you'd be in more trouble. But now that everyone's swimming oh, together, yeah. it changes the aspect a lot. Yeah, I try and avoid arena games. Yeah, the swimming. <laughs> I thought once it would be great to do it, and then I was like, yeah. I was like eight seconds or ten, eight seconds off on the swim. I thought, oh, that's pretty decent yeah. for me, and it's two hundred. And then on the bike, just didn't come back. That was it. Bye. On the Zwift, you just get like, <laughs> if you're ten second back, bye. <laughs> That's why I did Singapore Arena Games because even though it was Arena Games, we still like went on the the bikes for the the Zwift um, side, yeah. and then we went on uh, to the to the treadmills. It was an outdoor, it was an open water swim anyway. So I was like, this is fantastic. The guys, <laughs> the, guys the guys, smart. The guys are very smart. <laughs> but so yeah, like um, so that that's pretty awesome how you've come through. And then I was, yeah, quickly touch on you know you got fourth at uh, Rio de Janeiro Olympic Games. Um, I guess, how do you feel about that? Obviously you're, well, before you went to the Netherlands, you know, your, um, your fellow countrymen got Henry Schumann got, got third place, but they were obviously in a breakaway. So you must've had a, an absolute storming run. I remember you running with like Mario and, and, and some pretty big names. So to get, to get fourth place. And I guess if people don't know too much about yourself, um, everyone kind of sees you as a as like a sprint distance um, specialist, but you can also run an extremely fast 10K. And I think you you showed that in Rio, but you also showed that when you came back in um, first place in the World Triathlon Series in Leeds, and that's got to be one of the hardest strength-based courses. And that was an Olympic distance as well. So it was really cool that you, you know, you showed people that, you know, you're not just a sprint distance dude. You can, you can swim the 1500, you can bike your ass off, but you can also run an extremely decent 10K. And yeah, I guess talk us through those, uh, I guess some of those t- races that you, yeah, I guess you proved people wrong, which was cool. Yeah. I think in 2016 or well, on the Olympic year in Rio, um, yeah, I pretty much had like the best lead up. I was in some pretty awesome shape in that year. Um, and then I think in Gold Coast, I overcooked, it was World Series Gold Coast. We were literally catching the front pack and we were so close and I was like, oh, I'm going to the front. I'm going to close this last 10 seconds. Uh, and then I overcooked a corner in Gold Coast so hard that I went into the barrier. Ooh. Did like a like 55k an hour. I went through the corner and my hands on top of the shifters and I couldn't Ooh. break. So I went through the corners like arrow and then the tires started skidding and I thought, oh, I'm not going to make this. Uh, and then I was like into the fence and broke my knuckles. So my knuckles are like completely gone still yeah, from back then. And I was like trying to save it. And my foot hooked in the fence and over, over the bars. Um, and I broke my collarbone. So then on the shoulder, my collarbone was like four pieces. It was like three months or four months to the games. Probably going to have two months of training. My collarbone and I had to, I flew back to South Africa and then spooned and plated my collarbone. Um, and so I was like, well, I've got a pretty big uh, mountain to climb to get to, uh, to Rio. Um, 
It seems like every year I've had an Olympic Games, it's always been some time hit the fans <laughs> on the trip. <laughs> <laughs> so then, yeah, it was, uh, I went back and then uh, I think two months later, I decided to do the World Jathlon Champs randomly like, three weeks out. It's like, I can bike and run. So maybe I should do Jathlon World Champs. So then literally like went in there on my bikes and race and got like an elite title and Jathlon World Champs there. It's similar like Mario. It almost seems like Mario this year. We did the same, similar type yeah. of thing. It's interesting. And then, yeah, my swimming was... I think in Rio, I was shocking. I came far back on the sun and the coaches and was like, bro, maybe you should just call it and pack it in. And on the bike, I like buried myself on the bike <laughs> pretty much. And uh, on the run, managed to run. I think I was a bit quicker. I think I ran like 30 seconds or 40 seconds quicker than, than Johnny um, and paced the run pretty well. I mean, literally the last 100 meters, you couldn't see the run course. So I didn't even know that I was in fourth place pretty much because I'm not coach, someone telling me what place I was. So I was just running blind. And literally in the last couple hundred meters, I looked and I saw, man, I'm like 100 meters from like third place. And that was like then the finish. So I was literally so close, but I was super stoked with the performance because, I mean, couple of months before I was like, shit, what is, am I even going to make it? So, I mean, yeah, yeah. coming the way with fourth, it's like a, you know, everyone sees it as being like, oh, you were so close, you know, you were almost third. And then, then you get third and then people are like, oh, how much more would it have been to come first, you know, from third? And that's just how society works, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I was super stoked with what happened with the scenario. And that's something sometimes yeah. you just got to be happy with, with where you are and, and, and what you can achieve. I just wanted to ask, Richard, you've had a pretty hectic last few years, I guess. Um, you had a real major health scare, and then you've um, obviously changed allegiances over to the Dutch as well. Like that That's something I'm really interested to hear from a professional athlete. How, how were you feeling in that fact when you had your major health scare? Like This has obviously just been over the last few years, just jumping forward a wee bit, but like, it's something that... You know, when I think of you, your big health scare, it's really interesting to me how you bounce back from all of that. Um, yeah. So in 2020, uh, I think that when COVID pretty much started, I was kind of in some of the best shape I've probably been well towards the end of my, uh, not just the end of my career, but towards kind of like, you know, getting towards the age of like 30, early thirties. And uh, I was definitely in some great shape, came from Namibia, uh, COVID started, so everything, we went in lockdown, um, and it was, I think the world was in a very confusing place for like a year or so, you know, with everything COVID going on. Yeah. So it was, I think from the racing from that year, it was felt like it was hit and miss, a couple of races, but the motivation was a bit, I think everyone's motivation was a bit weird. And the year after that, uh, I think it was then, it was supposed to be the Olympics that year. The year after then, 2021, um, we started training, everything kind of went okay. Um, and kind of in January, uh, start of January, I picked up a heart uh, condition, so AFib, which is, uh, I heard like so many people have got the same condition, so it was actually yeah. a little bit comforting to know that I'm not the only one who has a special condition, um, yeah. but uh, if people don't know about it, it's kind of from a lot of years of endurance racing, kind of flogging yourself, um, uh-huh. and you can pick up you can pick up inside the heart, you can pick up like some extra nodes that send signals wrong inside the heart chamber, and it kind of puts your heart out of, to- out of kilter a little bit. And so it's actually sending the signals wrong and your heart doesn't know whether it should be beating fast or beating slow or, um, and, uh, yeah, I didn't know that at the start. I thought I was having a heart attack when it happened the first yeah. time. I thought, Jeez, no this good. is me. I thought, shit, I'm going to go. This is me. Shit. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and we were in the swimming pool. I was swimming and, uh, I had like these form goggles on with a heart rate and everything. Heart rate was saying 170 when I was warming up Oof. and I was thinking that nah, something's got to be 
Something's going to be wrong. And then the wife was like, don't listen to your stupid Bluetooth heart rate nonsense. It's probably completely wrong. That's a Dutch. That's so Dutch. Yeah, just, just look away. Keep training. And eventually I stopped there. And I checked it out and I'm like, no, it's right. It's I'm flipping 170s here. And I'm like warming up. And uh, yeah, I think I kind of just overdid it. And um, yeah, went to the cardiologist like the same day. Um, and he said, yeah, no, I should quit. Uh, professional sports, I should go and get a normal job. And Shit. hearing that from, yeah, from a cardiologist was quite uh, a lot to swallow. Um, yeah, I bet. Because I mean, been doing it since 2010. So like good old 12 years being a pro. Um, yeah. And I uh, spoke to my coach and my coach said, no, just uh, don't make any crazy decisions yet. Um, he's had two athletes that went to the Tour de France that raced at the highest level, uh, kind of after having exactly the same thing. Um, so at least that was comforting and uh, yep. I went to actually in Europe decided kind of after having getting reoccurrences of the same issue again kind of we got back into training it happened the same story again got foot same ha issue happened and yeah got an uh, ablation done where they go in um, kind of via your hip so it's not like open all surgery they go in via like an artery in your hip and uh, they kind of freeze parts or burn parts within inside the heart to kind of stop the signals getting sent wrong <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's literally a day procedure. Went in, knockout, next day, heart rate super high, and you like off you go, go back home, you know. <laughs> That's crazy. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. And they see, oh, don't climb stairs, or like, for like the first week, kind of just you know, if you go upstairs, you got to go very slowly and stuff. And I was like, wow, this is um, you know, quite quite hectic. It didn't help when you lived in a barn as well. You probably had to walk upstairs to your little bedroom. Well, we had to walk up day. two flights, two flights of stairs up, and then the bathroom was on the downstairs. So <laughs> it's just like I'm literally on the stairmaster every day. So I'm like, listen here, Richard had to shit in the bucket. I do a fucking thousand stairs every day. <laughs> but uh, nah, it was it was quite an eye opener. And yeah, since then it's kind of been a bit of a managing thing. Really, I've had to manage it because it's like a life. It's kind of like a long term thing. So. Right. It's not just like it's a once-off, you know, you do the procedure. Some people have the procedure done a couple of times and um, they have like occurring stuff the entire time. So I've had to change the training a little bit from that perspective, like kind of light, less high-intensity stuff. And yeah, trying to get the trust back to, to go hard because I know that when I get super fit, it happens again. So I've uh, got to, right. um, it's a bit of a, it's a hindering thing, but, uh, you know, I'm doing the sport. I still love doing it. Um, I'm trying to do it within the limits a bit. So it's a bit difficult. Uh and uh, I think my swimming's taken the biggest knock because I haven't been able to do like the threshold swim stuff that I need to to kind of be there. And so the last couple of races, my swimming's been like out the back door. Yeah. And uh, I got a new swim coach end of last year. We've been changing some things, and things haven't really gone the right direction either. So <laughs> um, it's been a pretty uh, pretty pretty tough year so far. But um, yeah, I still love doing it. And you know, sport is uh, sport is ups and downs. Not only a, a linear thing, really. Yeah, hundred percent. And like. The, the biggest thing as well is obviously you're actually back fucking doing it. Like you're not just deciding to call it a day and being like, okay, this is going to be too hard. Like you're still performing with the best guys in the world. And on any given day, like you can be up there as well. So, so I, I find it so bloody dope that you're still out there doing it, man. Yeah. No, I mean, I love it. It's, it's, I think it's, it's like, I, I realize like it's interesting, but when you're in your career and you're in the top point of your career, you don't realize it as much until you start losing that edge. And it's the same yeah. like if I'm looking at the guys like like Mario and Vince and some other guys, and it's inevitable that at one point you're going to start peaking. And that's 
yeah a scary thing you know it's something that you got to like deal with it's getting older you know and um <laughs> it's like a part of life but uh now nah, it's cool i think even last year when i did the super league stuff uh it was super cool because i had like no intention in racing it but eventually rachel was racing and they said oh no there's some gravel on the bike and i was like buy you gravel on a road bike <laughs> <laughs> and i was like oh this yeah, sounds good this sounds like fun <laughs> don't threaten richard with a good time yeah, <laughs> get the cycling cross bike out, baby, because we're on. <laughs> I was thinking about cycling cross bike, and then I thought on the road you might might be a bit of a. Pain. I think everyone so... was a. Eh? I think everyone was like <laughs> joking around, like, "Oh yeah, let's get the cycling cross bikes. It'd be really funny." And then like we got there, and it's like, actually, might have been a good idea. <laughs> so... Yeah, I think that race, a lot of people were like, "Are you guys racing in the middle of nowhere? That must have been so boring." And I was like, "Well, it was actually pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was just." So unique. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that was, that's neon we're talking about in Saudi Arabia was, you know, I've never been to Saudi Arabia before. So it was, it was definitely like a, a cool eye opener and uh, just like in the middle of nowhere. And we saw like, if, if anyone's seen on the reels or, or Instagram or anything like that, uh, TikTok in Saudi, they're making this line and, um, this, it's like that futuristic line that you, you go past and, uh, yeah. Um, we kind of drove past that and it was just crazy. Like everyone was like, nah, they're not going to make it. And it's just going to be, you know, just a, a, a flap, but we, we drove past it and they're, they're, they're properly dedicating it. Eh? Yeah. It's pretty, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy that they, I think, you know, and not everyone knows like they're building 150 K straight line building in the middle of the desert. <laughs> and I think we went there with like, we're promoting this building that they're going to build, which is also quite interesting. <laughs> um, but it was very, I think it was very, very cool. And, um, I think bringing also sports to the Middle East as well is also, you know, quite a big thing as well. And we're, we're kind of with the pioneers of that a little bit as well. So it's also quite like, it's kind of mo a bit more than yourself to a degree, which is quite cool. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I think they also did activation things with some kids and stuff. I think the Bahrain endurance team also did some activation stuff as well. Um, at that side. So yeah. that's, I think it's always cool when they do that. And I guess talking about Super League, take a right back in the first season. You are Oof. Mr. Super League. You are Mr. Super League. Let's be real. <laughs> you know, you went to Hamilton Island and, you know, the first, it was, I guess, when it, was, it first kind of came out, Super League, you know, you were the, um, you, you kicked ass there, really. Like, it was a, no one ever knew what the heck was going on. I think it was that year that, you, you know, you, you won Super League and, and then there was the, the Island House concept as well. So there these, like, I think it was that year that, I don't know, triathlon was kind of becoming something, uh, especially the short course stuff with the Island House. And so, that, yeah, that was really cool. So Island House was like a, essentially like a, a race on an island and you just did all sorts of stuff from time trials to, to running time trials to, to everything. And then obviously Super League came along as well. So that was quite like a, I didn't really, wasn't really involved too much with triathlon. I think it was like 2017, 18 that kind of started coming up, but it was really cool to, yeah, it was real cool to kind of watch, which was cool. Yeah, I think the I think those are always. I mean, I kind of over a couple of years missed the bus. They had like this high V triathlon in, in the states where they had like these monster prize money, and I think Tim Don won it a couple of times, and he won like a Hummer, I think the one time, and like two hundred fifty Gs every time. And I was like, bro, if there's another one of these things, count me in. Don't care what Sign it is. Yeah. I don't Sign care. <laughs> I'll be there. Don't care if it's a gravel bike, a time trial bike, a road bike, a scooter. I don't care whatever it is, but. Um, and then I think the, uh, the, the, the super league came around and everyone was like, bro, there's nothing online. You can't go and Google to see what this is about. It's like, and they said, yeah, it's going to be like three days or four days. It's going to be four races. 
and it's going to be fucking deadly and brutal. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And it was literally in like the right before this World Series started. It was like in March, I think, or in April and March. It was like it's a terrible timing to go and do something that you have no <laughs> idea what's happening. But I think some of, sometimes those those events really make it cool because you also go to Hamilton. I mean, Hamilton Island was super sick. Like, it's not often you get to go to like a tropical island. Like, the other ones in Bahamas, the island house was in the Bahamas. Um, and it was also end of the year as well. So, to, I don't know, the stage, I like the stage racing type thing where it's over a few days. Yeah. Because you have to be more strategic. Um, it's not just like when the race happens, you're either there or you're out. You've got to plan it over the days. Um and then it becomes a completely different concept. It's almost like the Tour de France, where you got to like you got to manage it, and it becomes more of an endurance event than a like a super you know sprint type of thing. Um, where it seems like triathlons either going like very long or super super short now. Yeah. So <laughs> it sounds like the Olympic distance stuff is like no, no, we don't need that stuff. No, 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 no. We, we can have one of those a year, and we just make all the other ones like heats and finals for the rest <laughs> of the, the season, because then we can have like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday racing. Which is, I don't know, as an elite, I don't know what you reckon, Hayden. What do you reckon about this, uh, this heats and finals and, and relay stuff? Or, oh, um, yeah, Hamburg's going to be interesting for me. Like I've always personally, like uh, World Triathlon have this new concept, and it's usually in Montreal, and um, it's uh, essentially it's like uh, a swim bike run, and then you have like a twenty minute rest, swim bike run, twenty minute rest, swim bike run, twenty minute rest. It's a three hundred meter swim, seven k bike, two k run, more or less. Um, and it's so super league is just like a touch smaller than that, but you only get two or three minutes in between each round, which I feel like is really good because with super league, you've got about 17 minutes of racing, but then you get a three minute break. So you don't really have to warm down. You don't have to worry about warming down or keeping, um, you know, limber or something for the next round where for me, I guess this concept is just like, it's so draining on the athlete as well. And I think in Hamburg this year, we've, it's a little better, uh, but it's still, I think, a, a lot to work on where, like, yeah, I think we're doing the um, the heats on Friday. So, you know, it'll be about a 20, 25-minute race. And then if you miss miss out, uh, you go to the Repercharge, which is going to be that afternoon on the Friday. Um, and then, so the Repercharge, you get, like, I think for the, the top five go through or something like that. And then on uh, on Saturday, that's where you go the the three rounds, so the semis, quarters, and finals, or something like that. Um, so you could potentially be racing five times, but I think the way they're doing it this year is where the the lads will go first, so they'll race thirty minutes, and then the ladies will go. So then we've got to wait another thirty minutes. So somehow we're going to keep warm, but not warm completely warm down, but for like thirty minutes, and then we race again. And then we wait for another 30 minutes and then we race again. It's like, wow, like that is a lot of time in the middle of racing. It screams like you guys are just going to get injured. You know, <laughs> like, you're, you're, like you're literally going to race and then you're going to get like, you know, if you're going to go back on the treaty or you're going to go on the, uh, you know, or just have a spin or something, like you're going to get more fatigued by doing that for longer. If, and then if you go the other way and you, you warm down and you get cold and then you go again, you're just going to get buddy injured. Like this is yelling for your hamstring to be blowing or something like that. Especially like you, because I remember, you, you, you know, you do it. You, I know when you get on the cricket pitch and you, you know, you slap down a couple <laughs> of balls and every single time it's like, just, just limber up, mate. But no, you, you don't limber up and you pull a hammy, but like my, same thing. My hamstrings are made of glass. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, you know what they're going to do? We've got to make a neutral zone on the first round and then they just sprint for it at the end. Oh, dude. Just neutral. So 
they neutral it. Like, I mean, I mean this is how they say you just got to neutral it. And then when it comes to the last 500 meters in the run, okay, boys, race is on. Yeah. And then, then you can kind of like get into it, you know? Because, I mean, <laughs> everyone's going to be together on the bike. Why must everyone, like, what's the chance of, like, maybe there might be one dude that doesn't make the bunch at the back. But generally, everyone's going to make the bunch. Yeah, fair play. So it's actually a running race, theoretically, on the first yeah. one. So you may as well just do 500. Yeah. I think in Montreal one year, the ladies gave us absolute shit because they actually rode faster than us because we're literally track stalling on the bike. <laughs> and the ladies rode like a minute faster yeah, well, Why would us. you want to ride hard? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you guys, you, guys, you guys are pussies. Like, what the heck? You rode so slow. Like, yeah, we're, we're pretty much like track stalling in the middle of like a race. Because <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants to just go to the front. Yeah, like the same thing. Like, I love I love the racing. Like, it's, it's short, it's fast, but there's definitely things they could probably do better about it uh, i just think maybe the between the races are a little bit longer and for us it becomes a really long day of like short sharp extremely fast race and we're essentially racing an olympic distance so your olympic distance is a 1500 meter swim 40k bike 10k run but you're racing it at like a uh, super sprint uh intensity so you're right ra- you're gonna be racing for about 90 minutes two hours over two days anyway at full pace uh, you know, uh, well, full pace for some of the guys that are just trying to get to the final. For us, it's it's going to be yeah, the, the whole day is going to take quite a while. But also, like spectator wise, I feel like it's going to be a huge day for spectators and coaches oh, yeah. as well, and even volunteers out there. Like you know, you're going to be there for at least six hours because you know the lads' race will be gone, uh, be going, and then the ladies' race, and yeah, it's going to be a big day. But um, yeah. It is what it is, and it's new, uh, which is cool, but it's definitely, yeah, you know, just there's some things and some room to improve, I guess. So, and I guess that's what we're here for is to try and, you know, You're the test dummies, make things a little better and give it, give our opinion. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you told me there was half an hour between the rounds because uh, I didn't even really check it out properly. <laughs> so, thanks for that info, Ada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. I've heard a few rumors where it was like that, but I I, I was looking at the the format the other day, and I I think it's like that, but I don't don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, but we'll try if you go on World Triathlon and go on Hamburg, it, it has the whole the whole deets. So uh, we'll see, we'll see. We made a proper stuff up. We we thought that Hamburg's Super Sprint thing was actually in Montreal. Uh, yeah, everyone was real confused so- for a bit. I was like, uh, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to Montreal. No, travel, and there's too much racing. And then they were like, no, 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 it's a sprint distance. And it was like a month out or like just over a month, like under a month. Oh. And I was like, boy, you're joking. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, why would they change like, it? That's what I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to I'm just gonna skip Montreal and do Hamburg because Hamburg's a sprint distance. So like, no, 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 it's, yeah. uh, it's reverse. I'm like, oh, crap. But because uh, I see, I was looking at, yeah, because when you go into World Triathlon, uh, website you can see you can literally so you can go into richard murray and you can see where his next race is in the next 30 days and you're going to halton on first of july which is nice that's always a tough race yeah yeah it's kind of like a home it's a hometown right only 30k from where we stay where we live nice. um and now i'm going to be a dutchie racing there as well so uh <laughs> i definitely have to brush up if i have a good race i need to know the national anthem this time because i'll tell you what <laughs> <laughs> I raced in Swakopmund, I got on the podium, and then the national anthem played, and I was like, bro, 
you need you need to you need to work on this. <laughs> you need to get it dialed. <laughs> Normally, if you just sing A B C D E F G, if you're just sing A B C, it looks like you're actually yeah. singing something. So just go with yeah. something like that. Just don't sing it out loud. Just just yeah. mouth it. Well, I guess I guess yeah. Talking about talking about like um like yeah uh, different like cultures and stuff. You know, like obviously I, I go out with a Belgian, so we have to st- speak a bit of Flemish. So Flemish and Dutch are exactly the same, but. It's like UK English to US English. It's a difficult language, eh? Right. If you say that, if you say that the 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 Dutchies, the Dutchies would hardly exactly. disagree with that statement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, think, they think Flemish is terrible. They don't understand yeah, Flemish, they but said, Flemish. No, it's not Dutch. It's not yeah. Dutch. It's no. <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. So, and it's yeah, a hard no. language, but obviously yours, you know, you speak Afrikaans. It's, it's a little similar. Like the rolling stuff, hey, like it's pretty yeah, easy. Yeah, it to... comes so Afrikaans, like uh, yeah, that that comes from Dutch. So the Dutch settlers that came, they brought the language over. Um, so I do have a bit of a cheat uh, cheat code on that front, which helps me a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could I, could I um, actually ask about the big swap that you did? Um, I've I would love to know the story. Um, why the change from South Africa moved over to Dutch? Like, I know that you, you know, your missus is Dutch and all of that type of stuff. But like, was it a difficult move to do? You know, being like, okay, I'm gonna not represent my country anymore and move to another country because I was actually at dinner earlier tonight and we're talking about it a wee bit because it was something that I wanted to wanted to ask you because. A lot of South Africans, I can name so many South Africans that represent New Zealand in cricket, rugby, you know, hockey, like the list goes on. Like South Africans seem to be the nation that jumps to other nations and are more than happy to represent other nations. What, what, like, why is that? And was it like an easy move for you or did you have to battle yourself a little bit for it, Richard? Um, yeah, well, I'm actually still, still currently battling. It might not look like it, but, um, yeah. No, so so what happened is uh, the whole story behind this is um, yeah, I've spent the summers in the Netherlands since 2013, yeah, um, and I registered registered there as so I'm a resident and everything in the country. Um, and we always had this joke, Rachel and I. Imagine if we raised the team relay as husband and wife. <laughs> okay, so 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 this was the first step part of it. Okay, which I mean, yeah. I'm 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 all for a good time, and so. Um, <laughs> I've got nothing against my home country. Everyone thinks when you change country that you hate your home country or you don't believe in it or blah, blah, blah. Like I love South Africa. We go there. We have a place. So we go back every year. We train there. Okay, yeah. My family lives there. It's not like I'm like, oh, hate the country, hate the people, blah, blah, blah. I'm gone. No, it's an awesome country. Yeah. The people are friendly. You know, uh, the environment's amazing. Um, there's so many things great about it. And um, for me, it was more my future. So I see myself living in the Netherlands. Uh, we want to set up a business there. Um, it's a long-term thing. Um, I want to set up a business being a coach there as well. So, um, it was a long-term thing. And then, um, after, yeah, 2000 and, uh, after, after Tokyo Olympics, I kind of decided, you know, um, I'd actually been out for a year because, uh, of my heart condition. I didn't race in Tokyo either. So, um, people asked me like, yeah, I went to three Olympics. I raced at two, but went to three. Um, and, uh, yeah. So after that, it was. There was actually a gap between if you don't race for a year. Um, and so this is the only thing that my heart condition helped me with, I think, <laughs> so yeah. far that I know of. Yeah. Um, where I didn't race since 2000 and I think end of 2020. Um, so technically then 
if your country gives you uh, the possibility, it normally takes three years to change nationalities from one to the next. Um, but they can do it within one with the, if both of the countries or both of the federations are in agreement. Um, and so they both said yes, which was actually great because it would you know, help with my future and continuing with things. Um, yeah. And so then that was kind of the decision to, to change over. Um, also, I'd been coached by Dutch coaches for the past four years, five years. Yeah. I actually traveled to Tokyo with the Dutch national team on the KOM Dutch flight uh, as a South African. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's like my environment around on. me was super Dutch. No, I had I bought a t-shirt from Lidl that said Tokyo on because I didn't have my kids yet. So I was rocking this Lidl t-shirt. <laughs> come to the dark side. You want to come to the dark side. <laughs> and I was like in a photo coming down the stairs like this with my camera on in my Tokyo shirt with the Dutch national team in the newspaper in the Netherlands. Oh. It's quite funny. Um, <laughs> but, and they gave you a passport straight after that. <laughs> no, I actually still don't have a passport. Oh, I, still, true. I still don't have nationality. So um, Rachel and I were married and I still need to do the Dutch civil exams and I'm studying. Uh, I need to still write the civil exam. So I need to know, yeah. like, obviously the heritage and, and speak and write and be able to do everything fluently, which is apparently for a lot of Dutch people probably wouldn't pass it either. It's pretty, like, pretty hectic. So. <laughs> Yeah. In about a month's time or two months' time, I'm going to write the exam uh, because I've only got a month out from the Olympics and that's going to be done a year out. So got the pressure of, you know, I've got to be fluent in Dutch and everything. I do the exam and then apply and hopefully before the Olympics get nationality. That's the plan. That is hectic. <laughs> yeah. And I'd also need a top, I, need, I also need a top eight in a World Series Olympic distance between now and Yokohama next year. So I've got, I've got a lot to do. Um, <laughs> Oh, you're you're talking to a guy that can actually probably ride you the ride you there. You just need to stick it on his feet in the swim because he seems to be doing okay in the <laughs> swim at the moment. <laughs> I've been working on the swim. We've been working on the swim now here in France. That was the plan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that that same thing with Belgium. Eh? Like they're just like, oh, you know, you want to Martin and Yellow are retiring soon. We need we need a we need a number four in the team. You want a you want a blue a blue kit? I know, you, and because like at home. The Waikato Bay of Plenty, um, that's our district. It's the exact same colors as like Belgium colors. They're like, oh, you already wear uh, the kit anyway. Like, don't get any ideas. Don't I, get I any ideas. Not, I actually noticed that. And I was like, when you were doing the running race, I was like, yeah, no, he's, yeah, wearing yeah. The, he's wearing the Belgium <laughs> National Tank. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's Waikato Bay. It's uh, it's like the, the region we're from. But um, I guess talking all sorts of like, um, you know, Netherlands and, and Dutchland and all that, it, it rains there. A lot. Um, and I was there through the winter and yeah, wasn't, wasn't a fan. Wasn't, wasn't a fan of it. It was t- a bit too cold for me. Eh? But, um, Zwift set me up with a pretty good setup and I was actually stole Hunter's mum's garden shed and had this like awesome setup, had a <laughs> treadmill in there, had this like real cool, like training, trainer set up. And literally I think throughout the whole of the winter, I was just like battling on on Zwift and it was like there was a period where like I'm from the nature I love the nature exterior background and everything and I was like you'd never see me on a trainer but I just got like so addicted and I literally I looked through my stats through winter I was like 95% of all my training was indoors uh it was shocking but I like got addicted (laughs) to it and was like absolutely like loving it and I know that you also um you know do a bit of do a bit of indoor training um and I guess that's in your like your your little gym that you have 
in the in the Netherlands was a, was like an old barn. You got a good setup in there with the home gym and the old Zwift setup and everything. Like uh, I've always seen it on Instagram. You got the two the two taxes and off, and off you go. Yeah, no. So actually, the gym's actually the gym's in like a, in the old farmhouse. It's just that's just like a couple couple hundred meters from the from the main house. Uh, and uh, actually, downstairs we've got like kind of our yeah, where all the bikes were stored or whatever. We keep we our Zwift set up downstairs because um, there isn't Wi-Fi on the other side. You obviously need Wi-Fi for Zwift and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we yeah we pretty much I think if you're in the Netherlands or you're in northern Europe and you're uh, haven't found Zwift or you don't ride inside, then you've, you've definitely got something great that's uh, definitely installed. <laughs> because I think I never used to ride indoors until you go to the Netherlands and it's raining for like three quarters of the of the time there. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. And you either got the choice of getting frozen because if it's like zero and raining outside, it's like a no go. Like we've got this limit, I think about <laughs> this is about eight, about eight degrees. If it's raining yeah. at eight, we can manage it. If it's under that, indoors, hundred percent. All this chance of rain now indoors because it's also like i mean i've always got this thing a two-hour ride on zwift is like three hours outdoors so like yeah 100 you know. oh it kind of depends like three hours three hours outdoors in the netherlands is three hours indoor uh indoors as well because there's zero hills you don't pay there's no freewheeling at, at all <laughs> no there's no freewheeling in belgium that's why they're all strong because it's like you do, you go up for three hours it's three hours but that yeah that's why I love Zwift so much, just because it's just easy, um, and it's not you're not watching Netflix and you know you go on Netflix and you just zone out and then you're like, oh, whoops, I'm pushing like a hundred watts. Where like at least you can go on, it's something virtual. You can actually like ride with your mates back home, and and it's pretty cool because you we get like little pro icons and and then people like start riding with you, and and I think it's pretty cool, and I, it's just safe. Like you know, sometimes when you go out and you just like send it. You know, you need to send it. You got a big tempo threshold session. Sometimes you're seeing stars, and I think the biggest factor is you know you don't want to get hit by a car or you don't want to go into a ditch, especially in 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 winter where the roads are a bit cold, uh, a bit colder, and you want to take those risks of like I need to keep my power up. Um, you know, it's indoors, it's safe. You can just bury your head. Your form can look horrific, but as long as you hit the power, you know you're good to go. Um, Hamish, have, well, you've actually been on Zwift before. I remember. Rich, yeah. it was actually quite funny. Um, <laughs> Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? No, it was yeah, Christmas Day. Christmas Day, because you weren't steamed yet. Um, <laughs> and I had this bike session, so I did it on the deck, and it was like a beautiful day, but I just wanted, I needed, if I got a punch or anything, I just, yeah, I would be late for the Christmas dinner, so I just did it on, on, the, um, on the deck. And I finished up, and then I come back out after my shower, and then my brother's literally, he's got a smoke in his mouth, He's got a, a like a he's got like a, a, a corona in the other hand, and he's just cranking watts out. I was like, "What are you doing?" Like, <laughs> I was absolutely gunning it. I was absolutely <laughs> giving it some, and I passed it. Oh. My goal was, I was like, I have to pass six blokes by the time I get off. And I, how many watts do you reckon I was slapping down, Aiden? Well, I think you were about ninety-five kegs that time, but you were like, you were pushing whoa, about three fifty-five. Oh, yeah, well, you were pushing about three. You're you're pushing three fifty comfortably, and then with my watts per kg, it looked like you were pushing like <laughs> eight watts per kg at that at that rate. So it, it was, was great. That, um, I was absolutely obliterating people, and I think like um like I've 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 been on it a, a couple of times just when Hayden's like jumped off and stuff and had a bit of a blast. But like one thing that I noticed, and like New Zealand triathlon do it quite well. They have the the series and stuff, and and just like the 
the weekend warrior can jump on and race with the likes of a Richard Murray, a Hayden Wild, or something like that. And, you know, that must be such a boost for those guys, just the weekend warriors, like, being able to do that. Because they can't just, nine times out of ten, the weekend warrior isn't going to be out on a bike ride with you guys on, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But they can do that on Zwift, so I think that's a, I, I don't know, mm. I think that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I think it gives it, it definitely like opens, I think it opens the world a little bit up more for everyone to, I think socializing as well, you can chat with people and stuff and um, yeah, I suppose it's a lot of a safer environment, but like as Hayden said, to get the work done, it's definitely, especially if you've got like long intervals and stuff and you don't want the lights and you don't want to stop at lights every five minutes or like safety, I do agree, or doing brick sessions, we love to do brick sessions, uh, uh, and do it on Zwift then, so you can literally just jump on indoors, flog it on the bike, um, and then you can head out yeah. and running again. So it's it's pretty good, I think. What's your uh, what's your favorite session? Uh, for me, like I normally go in there and do like some pretty decent, lo- just longer tempo, so I don't have to worry about cornering and stuff. So like a, a go to session for me would be like uh, five times eight minutes um, at like you know th- at race pace, so you know that three hundred to three hundred thirty watts. That also you can kind of keep controlled, and then if you need to run off the bike, you can you can run off the bike as well. So that's kind of like the sort of sessions I do, um, and it just makes it just like a little bit more, I guess, consistent for me when I I guess I do my brooks. But I also get into that massive trap where I do a lot of racing. So I guess my my question is to you, Richard, what's your go to session on Zwift? Yeah, so my go to session on Zwift is probably I think usually 10 either like two minutes or 10 minute uh type of block so like three by 10 um or 10 by two uh type of thing sometimes the short rest or depending on kind of like where we are in the season but I think pre-season kind of like three to four uh 10 minute blocks with kind of a short rest kind of build aerobic capacity is good at the start of the season uh and then kind of end the season um even like kind of uh eight by 30 on 30 off that's also pretty standard one kind of a vo2 max uh top session uh i suppose for like short course racing it's always like an on and off type of thing um yeah so i think something like that or some two minutes uh or even a build kind of a half an hour kind of build building pace i kind of like the same with the runs i kind of build the wattage as you're going over the time um it's kind of hard on swift because sometimes it's up and down um yeah and you've got to you've got to be able to set i think you can set the trainer as well and things and stuff or you can turn off the heels you on erg mode yeah <laughs> but yeah i think that a lot of the time when i'm on zwift they end up riding too hard that's the biggest like the number one it's like try and ride I'm a zone one on zwift and you're like 300 250 watts the whole time 300 watts 250 oh, 300 and the guy's like bro turn the hot trade off just take a hot trade belt off the go see you later oh dude i'm a i'm a bad man for that eh? especially like i just go on i'm like oh, i just go for an easy hour and it's like oh yeah i'm about 40 watts over what i should be um should be biking but uh, i think i'm a if i have to say like a if i what sort of zwift guy i am either it's go into the virtual world go on a whitopia and and just have a bit of fun I, I don't think i'm that sort of guy i'm definitely like oh like i normally go on to like the calendar i'm like oh is there any races going on and i would <laughs> i'd just slap in three races and just get in there and get a mugs and i'm like yeah probably shouldn't have done that but oh oh well <laughs> yeah you know what's like what's what is, what is life not worth living living for right like, that's right, like exactly a... you just send it and i think the best part is like i think a lot of people get you know with with zwift there's also some cheats as well which is a bit of a bit of a shame but uh, the good thing for me, what I really like about it is like, so people like say, 
you know, for a Hamish example, he's pushing 300 watts and it's in reality, uh, it's, it's played by watts per kg. So if Hamish is 85 kegs and he's pushing 300 watts easily, which is about three watts per kg, and he cranks his, his weight down to my weight, you know, he's pushing six watts per kg and his heart rate's at about 100 beats. And <laughs> he's just flying on this course. But I actually really like it because I can actually push his me pretty hard to try and keep up with the guy that's or maybe put his weight in wrong and stuff. So it's actually... Like it's quite funny, but I think the algorithms are getting getting onto it, um, and like, um, like banning people <laughs> if you like, uh, 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 like weight doping they say. So I think that, that's quite funny. It's like these guys are just sending it, and I'm just like, man, I'm at like 180 heart rate. I'm getting dropped by like Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, yeah. It's like, man, Kevin, you're going for it. But there's this one dude, uh, he's actually from New Zealand, uh, and I'm just going to call him out because I think it's hilarious. Uh, his name's Ben Ruth, and he's from Tauranga. And he's a good mate of my coaches. And, like, this guy can't take a drink bottle out of his bike when he's outdoors. It's dangerous. Like, he puts one <laughs> hand off that handlebar, and it's like, because he's, tra- he's from a track background, he was incredible. But this dude has the biggest engine, and he can push, like, so much watts. It's ridiculous. So, like, for people like that, they go on and they just dominate guys that are good cyclists, uh, but they go out and they can't ride out outside, but it gives them the access to race guys like me and kick my ass, which is which is great. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was going to say, it's a little bit like Lionel Saunders, but I, I don't think I'll throw that in there. But uh, <laughs> no, I think, no, no, I think, I mean, Lionel has definitely become, but I mean, on Zwift, he's like an animal. I remember when, like, yeah, dude. When, when those Zwift races came out, because I remember during COVID, that's probably the only reason, the first time I started racing on Zwift, I think I can go back and still look at my, like, training peaks and I can see, like, oh, those are my 20-minute max and half an hour max and an hour max. <laughs> I looked and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, that, that I didn't enjoy. That was just complete like agony for like, <laughs> I was like, no, nah, bro, that was, I don't know. If you're sitting at like hot rate, 180, 190 the entire time for like half an hour. Yeah. You know, we go to, we go and race Super League London and we go and race, um, you know, in big cities sometimes. And literally it's just like impossible to, to go out riding. So you can just like hook up your portable trainer, get, go on. And if you've got a power meter, you can just go on and, you can just ride and it's just something else to do. And it's just like, uh, I know, extremely accessible. So that's why I kind of like it, just the simplicity of it. But it also just keeps your mind, I guess. Yeah, it just keeps your mind moving. Oh, that's what I really like about it. It's just easy. You just set it up, even on your phone, your laptop, whatever, you know. No, I think it's good. It's, uh, I think it's uh, reliable. I think people like things that are yeah. reliable for nowadays. Until oh, you don't yeah. sink, until you... Until your until your thing's not syncing with Zwift, then then there's all then someone's <laughs> gonna get mur- someone's definitely gonna get killed. <laughs> yeah, dude. dude when, <laughs> it, it took so long for Apple when they finally updated their like Bluetooth signal on their Bluetooth MacBooks the and stuff. Like, dude, MacBooks have the crappiest Bluetooth signal. You had to get an iPad or like a tablet or some phone, and like the the receptors of the Bluetooth is way better. But the Mac for some some time, like if it wasn't literally like centimeters from your power meter, you just got no show at all. No, I reckon. I reckon what you need is if you're if you're living in Northern Europe, you could have a bike. It lives on a trainer that's connected with an iPad, yeah. and you almost need to plug it in. You want to <laughs> plug in from your trainer into your into your bloody iPad. <laughs> if it's plugged in, then shit is going to be far. But nah, yeah, the syncing like, this stuff drives me mad, bro. A lot of the time, I'm like, no, nah, <laughs> I can't turn it on. It needs to update. Like while you jump on, it's got to update. It's worth, and I'm like, no. <laughs> <Just>. <laughs> 
<laughs> Rachel, come Love sort it. it I'm out. I'm like, no, I'm the one who has to go. I need to go up and sort the Wi-Fi. And then the Wi-Fi drops and then you get logged out. And you're like, uh, no, bro. <laughs> Oh, no. uh, we, yeah. I think we spend a fair amount of time on the on the mountain bike and on the gravel bike now as well. If it's in the winter, so yeah, bro, right. if you, hey, do if you ever that side again, you need a gravel bike and a mountain bike that side so that because it's warmer in the trees. I've learned this. Makes sense. Yeah, I got a gravel bike last year. It was good fun. Yeah. So if you don't, although it seems like you really enjoy hurting yourself on Zwift, so and you call it easy. You call it easy. <laughs> you like the runners here. We do like for, like three thirty, three forty k easy. I'm like. What? How, how, do you, how does that work? It's not easy. It's fast, bro. Most people are sprinting. Hey, uh, before we wrap up our little yarn for today, um, we haven't even touched on what happened over the weekend. Hayden had a um, little detour over to France for a wee bit. Baudet. <laughs> one a, uh, one so. of the Apologies to the French listeners. <laughs> <laughs> What a uh, little French Grand Prix race. Um, after watching that, dude, there needs to be more WTS racing in, in France, though. They need a World Series. I don't know. There's no World Series there. I mean, yeah. there's going to be just, Paris, but... Yeah, like... Just something. Is it? Is it because... I don't I don't know, like, this is out of my expertise, but is it because it's... There's French... Like, there's actually, like, no ITU races in France. Is it because of French Grand Prix? I don't... I don't know, but I feel like there should be like because the French, just the crowds are insane. Like they're just awesome. Oh, like you know, you, imagine you race, in Paris, Bundesliga, and yeah, oh. dude, I feel sorry for them. As I said on when I was, you know, so I did a French Grand, so French Grand Prix. If no one knows, it's like you race, so you get essentially you get a contract with a French team. So for me, it's Levan, and um, yeah, we race pretty much all the Frenchies and like the French, the depth is insane. You just rock up to a race and it's kind of like a uh, world cup race. And there's 120 starters and I race for Levan. Um, so you race for like your district. So for example, if you, you know, if you're in your local triathlon club, that's the, that's the team you would, you would race for. Um, so I race for Levan, awesome club. And, um, yeah, like I turned up to this race, like I was pretty tired, but, you know, I still had to run a fourteen twenty to win the race by five seconds, and I had uh, a, a, a one of the guys from Metz behind me who race, which is a city in in France, but also had Leah Bouger, who's the you know the last year's World Series World Champ, who came third, and Dorian Connex, Pierre Lacour, like, and there's also other people that race as well, and it's just the racing is insane. It's so good. I love it. Uh, it's hard. It's friendly. And the French just love racing. And like, you know, it's just a French Grand Prix. It's, it's, but there's four people deep at every race. Um, I guess Richard, are you in a, are you in a French Grand Prix team at all? Oh, for a couple of years I was, I was with Satchel for a couple of years, but now I'm more into the Bundesliga, uh, side mm. of things. Uh, yeah. So the Germans have got the same thing with the Fred French pretty much. And I've been racing for EOT, a shooting team for like the last since 2014 or 15 or so. Ooh. Yeah, we're on the same team, but I've never raced. That's super <laughs> cool, man. You must, you've got to cut. You've got to. You've got to come around. You've got to come around sometime. The Bundesliga yeah, is a good dude, fun. Man. I have to. They're good. Yeah. They're good. You can get yeah. your uh, get your pretzel on. You know that's <laughs> you did. But yeah, the yeah. race. I guess I I'll do a super one two minute quick recap. Um, so for, drove for it was a four hour drive to Bordeaux, four hour drive from Andorra. 
got to the race uh, the night of uh, the the night before. Um, there was eleven a.m. start. There's normally eight teams, nine, I don't know, fifteen teams, and there's about 120 starters. So there's about 50 more people that start than a world triathlon. Um, yeah, actually felt like as dusty as I felt. Actually had a like it felt real good um, racing. So it was cool that the body re- responded pretty well. And uh, got to the first boy, got absolutely murdered. Um, so I was doing breaststroke around the first it's boy. It's French Grand Prix. <laughs> oh, dude. That's, that's, I, was like, I was like, you know what? I don't even care. It's French Grand Prix. Like everyone says, the swim is like fight or flight. So I got around the, the boy and I was like, well, I can't do anything but breaststroke. Or else if I literally put my hand up, you're, you're grabbing body and you can't move. <laughs> so then I like had to really go into my professionalism and, and reset and actually came out like 48 seconds behind. But had a storming had a storming T1. So for example, Pierre Lacour was about thirty-five seconds from the lead and I got out of transition before him. So like a twenty second fast transition than him. And then we just put our head down and just sent it on the bike. Super flat course, twenty K. Got to the end of the bike and then they got taken out by the motorcyclist because he turned off too early. Um so then they took me out and about forty other guys out. Uh, but anyway, got on to the run and came out with Leah Bajer and, and all the other guys. And um, I kind of just wanted to run easy um, or not easy, but, you know, like <laughs> you didn't want to overdo it, you know. And I got to 1500 meters. Three minute K, three minute K. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. For us, you know, that's great. And got to 1500 meters and I was like, all right, it's a headwind. I'll just go. And then got a bit of a gap, 30 meter gap. And then I was solo for um three and a half k and kept that 80 80 meter gap 100 meter gap and um got the win for Leavan we got third place so for example you get you have five guys that start and your best three places go towards the team rankings so we got third place for Leavan so that was uh pretty cool and Aaron Royal actually came out of retirement so Aaron Royal races yeah. long course now really he raced uh yeah he came out of retirement and he was loving it he was like dude I swear to god I have not run under 310 pace for like since Tokyo Olympics so that was uh, <laughs> that was cool to see him classic awesome when did you decide to go and do the racing Bordeaux was it like a week out or uh, two weeks out uh, yeah low low our <laughs> Lolo, our manager, <laughs> uh, who managed the team, he he. I was actually driving to Cagliari, and he was like, he was like, Hayden, I need you. We've got no one. And I'm like, oh, we'll see. He was like, but it's a three hour drive. It's 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 easy. It's easy. <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay. I'll talk to the coach. So I got to Cagliari, and, and then asked the coach. He's like, yeah, why not? And I was like, I was, it's only a three hour drive because that's what Lolo told me. And then I looked at Google Maps, five hours. <laughs> I was like, oh, that, I love that guy, but man, he stitched me up hard. Hook line and sinker. Hook line and sinker. He got you. You never drive. You didn't have a driver, Hato. <laughs> no, but then I stayed in Toulouse for the night, uh, watched a bit of rugby, and picked up my training partner, Mr. Sam Tanner. If you don't, if you watch me on Instagram, um, ah, he's cool. my curly. 1500 meter Olympic runner uh, who runs oh, 1500. Yeah, he's that. here for a couple of Diamond Leagues. So. Yeah, it's nice to have him here, and um, yeah, should be fun. So good to have my um, my my mate here and and to have a training partner for once in my life, <laughs> other than Hunter. How long are you staying in Andorra? Uh, I'm kind of going back and forth, eh? So um, obviously this is my base and kind of my my home stay at the moment. So I'll go here and then I'll race Hamburg, come back, 
race Sunderland, come back, and then stay here until test event. Uh, and then pretty much to stay here until the end of the year. So it's kind of got to be my, my base for, yeah, for until I uh, retire, I guess. It's just a good, easy spot. So, yeah. Happy nice. Days. Until you retire. Wow, that's yeah. that's going to be another yeah, what, 10 years? Yeah, 10, well, all the long years? course guys are here. <laughs> all, all the long course guys are here, so I better stay on the side. <laughs> oh, cool. Nice, man. Nice. No, awesome. Sweet. Richard, it has been a pleasure uh, to have you on the show, mate. Um, best of luck for Holton if I don't see you. Obviously, I thought you were racing Montreal, but as you just said, like I uh, was a bit confused as same with me and I think a lot of other people, but <laughs> it's a premium cup. So it's actually some good points off for grabs if it's a premium cup. So best of luck there. Hope you race well and spend it in, as in definitely in front of your home uh, town now and your your home country. So best of luck there. Send my regards to, to Rachel. She'll be racing, I guess, as well. Um, probably see you in potentially Hamburg, I guess. Yeah, that's correct. Hamburg and Sunderland. Yeah, happy days. Well, we'll see you in Hamburg and Sunderland. And obviously, uh, Hamish, I won't see you until probably next year. Um, but no, <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on the show, Richard. Um, it, as I said, absolute pleasure. You know, I do, I do, I guess, look, looking at like as as an athlete, I've always looked looked to you as um, inspiration of how you race. You know, you're you're an aggressive racer, and I think through those peak years that you you had with just domination um, was awesome to see. So. Um, yeah, you're an inspiration to a lot of people, and thank you so much for coming on the show. I was just gonna actually back up what Hayden said. Like he he talks out of his ass sometimes, Richard, but um he he <laughs> always would come home and say that you're one of those guys because of how similar you guys' race styles are. And I know how excited Hayden's been to have you on the show. So thanks uh, so much for taking time out of your uh, your busy schedule to come and have a bit of a yarn with us two wild blokes. Yeah, and it was great not having Jack on the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's awesome. No, I, I think when we, um, I remember the first time, I think the first time we saw Hayden was at the first couple of Super Leagues and I was like, this boy, this boy can ride a bike. <laughs> I was like, here we go. I was like, oh, and then, yeah, no, it was definitely, uh, I think yourself and uh, Alex Z over the years, in the last five or six odd years, I was like, oh, these two guys, they're going to be up there for sure. And, uh, yeah, you're definitely, uh, definitely, definitely riding the top of the way, bro. So yeah, well done. Thanks, man. Thanks. I guess one thing just before we we shut down, just so Jack can have a boner on his birthday. Um, yeah. Are you gonna go? Are you gonna go long course? Oh, uh, long course. Uh no. There's, there's, there's. Thank there's, you. There's zero, zero chance. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Jack. He can shake the snake off in the shower tonight. <laughs> there's no money. There's no money in the world that would get me there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. That's the I perfect it's... way to finish. <laughs> I remember you telling me that. I'm like, you going long course? You're like, not, not even the the all the money in the world won't get me there. <laughs> I think it's not. Uh, I'm too much of a short course. I like the racing. I like the closeness, and I prefer to yeah. push myself. That's probably why I got a hot condition in here in the first place. But I think that you know. I like that racing, you know, close racing and, and, and not trying to like yeah. maintain myself until I explode. I like to yeah. be the one who decides when I explode, not the other <laughs> way around. So, um, love it. Nah, it's cool. I mean, I've no, no big respect to the guys that do long course though. It's just not for me. I'm more yeah. of a, I'm more, I'm more of a wild child. So. Fair enough, mate. I love it. I absolutely love it. And, uh, Hayden, before you do wrap the show up, just because he's not on the show, I just want to give him a quick little shout out as well. Jack, um, for a lot of people, you might follow his social media. 
Um, this is just one nice, warm-hearted thing. He, he's been invited to do the commentary for the uh, USPTO um, Open. So, shot to Jack. I think it's a massive thing in his career going forward. Uh, um, and he's obviously given us the platform to actually talk about yeah. short course racing. Yeah, and I hope he does well because man, he 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 gives a he, he gives a bit, <laughs> he of, he to gives a bit well. of cheek. He gives a bit of cheek to those commentaries. So uh, if he doesn't do well, he's in he's in the firing line. <laughs> he has to do well. He doesn't have an option. He has to do well. Otherwise, we get to come on the show and we get to fucking roast him. <laughs> awesome, cool. Happy days. Done. Finished. Bloody good, gentlemen. Bloody good. Always a pleasure. Good stuff, guys. See you later, Rich. Alrighty, catch you later, Richard. Cheers, guys. See you, boys.